Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome back, Blue Stable listeners. My name is Destin Adams. As always, joined with me is Michael Tarazas. And not here with us today, Rashad McGinnis, having a little bit of a COVID um, outbreak in his household. We're praying for his family um, during that for sure. And then we also have our special guest, Joel Erickson from the Indie Star. Thank you for coming on, Joel. Yeah, no problem, guys. Dustin, come on, man. I keep telling you about this energy when you open the show, man. When we got a special guest like Joe on, you got to bring the energy. You can't be coming out here. You can't be coming out here like this is a Sears commercial, man. Come on now. You got to introduce Joe Erickson. See, Joe likes to yell when he introduces people. Um, He he gets upset because I don't have my microphone read out um, when I introduce people. But hey, Uh, does not change the fact of how excited we are to have Joe on. And we're going to break down. Colts football happened this weekend, guys. Like, it feels like forever ago that the Colts lost in the wild card round to the Buffalo Bills, and we're here. Colts football is back. We made it through the long off season. It felt longer than usual. I don't know about you guys. Yes, 
And and don't bring up the pain from the wild card game again. Don't don't bring it up. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm getting. I, I don't I don't know. It felt it felt pretty normal to me. Well, actually, no, I take that back. The summer felt longer, but the summer was longer since they uh, they had that little deal where they. Uh, I I will admit, as uh, as somebody who gets to take time off and the Colts take time off, I was not too upset. That makes sense. I, I mean, I guess, I guess for you, it, look, the longer is better. But look, this is this is how bored I was this off season. I bought a gold membership on Xbox, and I've been playing online GTA, Black Ops Zombies. I don't get on the Xbox, but because I had time, I literally threw my money away on a gold membership. I uh, I I don't fully understand anything Michael just said. I. I, I <laughs> I'm, I cannot allow myself to have video games. Uh, cannot handle it. So uh, <laughs> I played a lot of PlayStation in college. Um, since then, I've been married. I've, my wife's pregnant. Like she's seven months pregnant. I really don't have time to play my PlayStation. It sits in my living room, probably collecting dust. Um, the, only, but- the only game I play anymore is my brother has a Super Nintendo, a Super Mario World, and about once every three months or so, we go and. Uh, and work on our uh, work on ending the map out. We are very bad. We are much worse than we were when we were kids. Much worse. <laughs> I feel like that's how it works. Somehow, some way, you get older and you get worse at video games. But moving on to some Colts football, guys. The Colts got a win over Carolina, 21-18. May not be as cool as a win in the regular season, but Colts football is back. And there were some really interesting things going into this game we wanted to look at. Um, obviously, the biggest headlines you were reading everywhere were Eason versus Ellinger in camp. It, at first, it felt like it was Eason was miles ahead in the QB one and a half is like what I'm calling it um, right now. Um, but the QB two battle, basically. And as camp days went on, Ellinger just feels like was getting inches and inches closer. And then by the time the preseason came along, we really didn't know where they were anymore. Um, so, Joel, what did you see um, out of the first half of Eason and the second half of Ellinger? Well, the first half of Eason, I thought that we saw something that Frank Reich asked for or didn't ask for. He said what he wanted to see out of Eason when he first got in there was um, – you know, Eason obviously has that big arm. He can make some throws other people can't. And he, he said he wanted to know if Eason could tell the difference uh, between when to cut it loose and to throw it into one-on-one coverage and make those NFL throws you have to make and when not to make those throws. And I, I felt like we hadn't seen a bunch of those in camp yet. I didn't feel like we'd seen him going deep, um, not necessarily just going deep. I think I think it can be, it can be as simple as the uh, – you know, so some contested balls on some of the short ones too, uh, with the with his arm strength, and I felt like we hadn't really seen any of that. Um, you know, we, we'd seen a lot of short throws, checkdowns, decisions. We had we hadn't seen a lot of stuff down the field. Frank Reich said today that they feel like this offense has the arms to get the ball down the field, and they want to see the ball go down the field this season. And it happened. It happened in a big way. Um, I think there were four or five throws. I think that that really play. Um, here at the next here here in the NFL level on Sundays, uh, the one to the the obvious ones are the ones just ones to Campbell and Strong. But I thought the one that Granson dropped after he got hit was a a, a bullet of a throw, uh, and it has to be thrown hard there because I mean it got knocked out by the defenders. So it, there, there's a time element there on that crosser. 
Um, there was another one to Desmond Patman that uh, Patman was open, but he hit him. Uh, Frank Wright called it a laser shot last night. And the reason that matters is because it, it doesn't give the defensive back time to catch up. Um, so that's what I thought we saw at Easton. I thought we saw the potential of the possibility of what that arm can do if he knows where he's going with the football and knows the right stuff. Uh, with Ellinger, um, I did think early on uh, his lack of arm strength showed up a little bit on the interception and then uh, on a third down when he kind of scrambled around and tried to get to the sideline and couldn't quite get it there. It almost got picked off again. With Ellinger, we knew about the mobility. I think anybody who watched him in Texas knew about the mobility. That's what shouldn't be a surprise. I think the thing that's been most surprising to me through camp he's gotten the ball out. Um, it seems like even just talking to Colts coaches and stuff that he's he's already at or ahead of where Easton is in terms of processing pre-snap and, and stuff like that. And so I think that that's important. Um, but Easton offers more upside if he knows like if he knows where the ball is going, he offers more upside. He can make I, I don't know that that Ellinger can make all the throws Easton did, although he did have two unbelievable throws. The the 47 yard streak black was great. The crosser to uh, Tyler Vaughn's was great. It's just not going to be as consistent. So quick question on something. I was in attendance at the game. This is my first season as a season ticket holder. Um, so I don't know if my opinion on this may just not be correct because there was better views on TV or maybe where you were sitting, but on the Granson catch, I really wanted to see a review on that just because I felt like it was more of a fumble than an incompletion um, just because I counted multiple steps um, on it. But I, like you said, I really liked that throw. Another throw that I saw from Eason in that first half that I really liked um, mainly just from the pocket work on the throw was the throw to Mike Strong that um, went right off Strong's hands. Uh, it may have been a little bit um, in front of him, but right off his hands where he stepped up in the pocket and kind of threw that laser type throw that you mentioned Reich talk about on that Patman throw. Um, I was really impressed with Eason's ability to work the pocket there. Cause that's where I felt like he struggled early on in the first half. Yeah. He's, he's not very mobile. He doesn't have um, excellent pocket awareness yet. I thought that there were times he could have stepped up into, into a pocket. I thought the interior line was better than the, the tackles. And I think that there was a pocket for him to step up into. Um, I think that that's one of his drawbacks. I think sometimes the ball doesn't come out as quickly as it needs to um, with him. So those, those, those are definite drawbacks. I was just, that was, we hadn't seen him really just cut loose like that, the way he did. And uh, it really sort of changed my impression of, of what's possible for him in this race. Now I would say on the practice field, we have not seen that as much, um, but some of that, uh, Frank Greg said today in our day after press conference is that the way the Colts defense plays, the Colts defense plays take away big throws. Um, and so some of that is, is them forcing the quarterbacks not to make those throws down the field. Um, and it'll be interesting to see as we go forward in this preseason, what, whether or not he can continue to do that. So this was my my takeaway from it from from it all. When it came to Easton, Joe, I I don't know if you know this, but I man, I, I love Jacob Easton. I was disappointed honestly when we traded for Carson Wentz because I wanted this 
just see what you have in Eason. That didn't happen. Um, and now that he's getting this shot, even though it looks like he might not even play in the regular season, barring a, God forbid, another injury to Carson. Um, one thing that I noticed from him now, all this talk we've been hearing from Cam, I haven't been to camp, so I haven't been able to form my own opinion. And I don't have that access to film, to their practice film, or whatever the case may be. But the biggest thing that I've been hearing is nothing but Ellinger, 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 Ellinger. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't know. And I wanted to, you know, I've been asking around what's been going on. What is really going on at practice? And in my opinion, I just think the coaches are asking them to do two completely different things. And I think I'm not going to say it confirmed, but it helped my strategy a bit because I think Frank Wright called two very different games for Jacob and Sam in the preseason game. You let Sam get a little bit more out of the pocket as to where he just let Jacob drop back, pick where you want to go with it. The two minute drive, I thought Frank Wright just stepped back and let Jacob take control of it. I want to see what, you know, what you can do in this situation. And he did some pretty good things. Mind you, it was his first actual competitive game and I don't know how long. So the pocket presence was not that big of an issue for me on that strip sack fumble. I definitely think he had room to step up in the pocket. Although, I mean, I put majority of that on Will Holden who got destroyed on that play. But again, you do have to have that pocket awareness. Andrew Luck didn't have the greatest one early on either. So we got to, you know, take a little bit of that in consideration. Sam Ellinger did have a, a, a good game, better than what I thought he would. The two throws to Tyler Vaughn's, to, I mean, that was right there. I went back and looked at it. I think Destiny can even confirm. I said that was more of a Vaughn's catch than it was a Sam throw. And, I mean, great effort by both guys, first of all, uh, not to take it anyway one uh, from the other. I, I honestly think, you know, what, what debate are we really having about this? Because in my opinion, I – told Destin this last night. I think the Colts are really acting weird about all of this, about, you know, keeping it balanced. In my opinion, it's not really balanced. I was thinking more about it today when I really should have been more focused on my certification course at uh, work. But in my opinion, I feel like Frank is trying to help out Carson's mentality, not feed into Sam Ellinger being great, not feed into Jacob Eason getting all this hype. Hey, look, it's balanced. I'm going to start one guy one week, start one the other week. But guess what, Carson, you're still going to be our guy because I'm not going to give Jacob all these throws. This is just my opinion. I don't have no source and nothing out of the building telling me this. Uh, I think that's what's going on because the way the Colts are going about it, giving both of the guys press conference yesterday after the game, never seen that before. The Colts Twitter PR hyped them both of, never seen that before. Um, I think this is all really about Carson, you know, keeping him fresh mentally. I don't know what they think of him mentally, but focusing on the play, I think Jacob Eason visibly put himself ahead of Ellinger, in my opinion. Uh, that's, I mean, I don't think it has anything to do with Carson. I mean, the reason they both came and talked yesterday is that we requested both of them. Um, oh. We requested both of them because they're uh, they're both competing for the job. I mean, and the way reason I know that is because they started giving Ellinger first team reps and and rotating with it. And uh, a lot of it, what we've seen in the practice on the practice field, is just that the reason that Ellinger is getting this is that he just wasn't making as many mistakes. Um, he has he has a better completion percentage in practice. Um, 
He's thrown fewer interceptions than Easton had in practice. Frank Reich said it was it was a merit-based decision. I, I don't think it has anything to do with, with Carson necessarily. It's Carson's job um, whenever he comes back. But the the press conference thing, we, we asked for. I mean, they, they were the story of the game yesterday um, in terms of what people cared about reading about was the quarterbacks. Um, and uh, uh, the Eason you guys saw yesterday is not the Eason we've often seen on the practice field so far. So I think that plays a role in it too. Um, that, that was the big thing with me is I was like, okay, this is the Eason that, you know, they've talked about being possible, but we haven't really seen a lot of. So I don't know if there was a bigger Sam Ellinger critic during the draft process than me. I tw- I, I'm on record. I left the tweet up. Um, even after the Colts drafted him and tweeted a month before that I, I thought, yeah, whoever, that I thought, yeah, like a month before the draft, I tweeted saying whoever drafted Sam Ellinger would be the worst pick of the draft. I said it, I left it up because I'm not going to be someone that backs up just because the Colts drafted him. So it's up there still, if anyone wants to find it, but so, I mean, I came in to the Sam Ellinger Colts tenure um, with to for lack of a better word, just not the greatest um, expectations. Um, I will say I really enjoyed watching him yesterday. I think I think mm-hmm. the biggest thing from both of them that I saw is that they got better as the game as their game went on. Um, as you said about Sam Ellinger, I thought his first couple of drives were a little bit rough. Um, he was lacking that zip on the ball that you wanted to see um, on the interception. It was behind Granson. It was also just not – it was not going to make it to him. Um, you mentioned that sideline throw as well. But I think he improved drastically as the game went on. I think he had a really good sense of the game. I think he, he really reacted well. I think both quarterbacks' last drives were the best drives that they had in the game. And that's huge for quarterbacks to be able to see that from both of them. I'm really cool with whatever happens when it comes to this. Um, I definitely would have leaned Easton as a fan just because I think he's more fun. I think there's a lot more opportunities with an Easton kind of quarterback in there. But I think you could also make the argument that Sam Ellinger is a lot safer kind of quarterback to be that quarterback to for the future type. Um, to be able to come in and not make mistakes when his number is called upon and to be able to move the offense normally. And when you have a Carson Wentz type starter, if he does go down, losing mobility is a thing that you always have to look at um, because Carson Wentz is a guy that can move out of the pocket. And I think Jacob Eason, um, people yesterday I saw on Twitter were comparing having Eason in there as a Phillip Rivers type. He's more mobile oh, than Phillip Rivers. Yes. Let's, let's, let's all – a lot more powerful, taller, you know. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying in general, I think he's more mobile. He's not taller. Philip Rivers is oh, huge. Oh, yeah. Yes, I, I think Jacob Eason stands at what? Well, well, I was about to say six seven. Uh, no, that's gigantic. Philip Rivers is big. Dio is six seven. Man, Michael over here trying to make. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, but um, I, I do think he is more mobile than people give him credit for. I'm really interested to see Ellinger with the ones slash twos. Um next week in Minnesota. I, I, I almost wish. Um, so that's, that's the hard part about this. I think with three preseason games is that I don't think it's going to be, it depends on how the lions play it in their third preseason game, because the hardest thing is, I mean, nobody from the Panthers starting defense played yesterday. Um. And if you thought the tackles looked bad against Marquise Haynes, imagine what they would have looked like against Brian Burns. Um, you know, and I, the hard part is 
Eason did what he did yesterday against better Panthers. He, you know, the Ellinger, just by virtue of playing the second half, and the same thing's going to be true when Ellinger starts in Minnesota. Ellinger might, probably is going to get some, probably going to get Vikings, probably going to get the Vikings starters. And then Eason, depending on how long they go, I mean, Frank sort of said that he thought he'd give Ellinger the full half. Eason will get the backups. And the hardest part with training camp, the most difficult part with training camp, and this, this is coming to play already with the Colts pass rush, um, and trying to figure out if the edge rushers are taking a step forward or if the tackles are just that bad, um, is, is weighing people against the competition playing. And I understand why you want to give them a chance to build on what they're doing. Um, you know, Eason's big throw to Campbell, they came off the field after the first drive. Uh, Eason and Campbell talked about it. They said, if we get this look, we're throwing it there because they'd seen the Panthers' defense. They knew what they were doing. They had a chance to build on it. But the, the competition thing, I think, I think that's probably the hardest thing for the coaching staff is trying to figure out, you know, what's the difference here in terms of competition that they're playing and, and you know, who's playing with them? Because Eason's like – the Colts starters, I think, are going to play some next week. I don't know how much, but he's going to get Pittman and Pascal and those guys, um, whereas Eason was throwing to Strong. And, uh, and you know, like, for instance, the the – Play you mentioned where it's an out route and he throws a little bit too far for Strong. Um, first of all, I had that as a drop. It hit him in both hands. Um, but second of all, one of the other one of the other things we don't know is one of the other things I don't really know for sure is if Strong ran that route exactly the way the Colts teach it, um, or if he made a different cut is he further out. I don't know that. Um, so there's there's stuff like that that you don't know. You know, I mean, they said. They said there. Reich said there was a wrong route run on the interception to Granson. It didn't matter for the the pass, but that means there's wrong routes being run in some of these places because of who's playing with them. And so that's the hard. That's the really hard part, I think. And judge everybody against competition they're playing against. Um, like I said, if if you think the tackles look bad against Marquise Haynes, if the Panthers ones had been out there, it would look worse. Oh Jesus! Don't even get me started. Hey, but <laughs> that, that was bad. That was bad. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something. And we're going to talk about the tackle spot a little later um, and our thoughts on that. But um, you started to mention a few of these receivers. Um, and it's, it's becoming very apparent that the Colts are going to have a good problem to have, but a problem on their hands when it comes time to cut these receivers down. Um, some people want to say that some teams keep five receivers. Um, at this point, it feels like almost every team is keeping six. Um, so in my head, I'm picturing six receivers making the roster. So with all these receivers making, making their names for themselves, like who, who are you hearing the most about, um, whose stock is rising the most, whose stock's falling the most so far through training camp in the preseason? Um, I, I mean, I think, I think the, the breakout guy is Mike Strong. He, I, he had a draw, he had a couple drops the other night, but the, the big play potential that you get from him. It's just so big. And so I think I'd say he's the front runner for that five receiver spot. Um, he, he gives you a lot. He's like a, he's a little bit bigger. Um, he gives you the same athletic profile as Desmond Padman, but he's a little bit bigger. And um, we've seen a little bit more of the big play stuff in camp. I mean, we saw it the other day that him climbing up the ladder to get that ball. Strawn's the guy who's who's really, I think, probably the clear front runner there. 
Now, I think Patman has grown as a receiver. Last year, a lot of the plays we saw were more of that go ball stuff. And now we're seeing him do some of the stuff Pittman does in terms of slants and catching it and crossers and that kind of thing. Um, but ultimately, I think Strawn's probably in the lead for that. And then if the, the sixth spot, and there's a lot of people who don't want to believe this, but this, the sixth spot is Ashton Doolin's until somebody else is a better gunner. Yeah, I, I freaking hate that. And Destin can tell you, I hate. I mean, we're going to give a wide receiver spot to a guy who won't play snaps as a wide receiver. I, hey, now, hey, now. I, every time you bring that up, Michael, I also tell you, in my opinion, last year, now, granted, Pittman was still a rookie, so he was still learning the ropes a little bit as a run blocker. To me, the best two run blocking receivers last year was Pascal and Dolan. Um, I think I thought when they were out there, they were the two that they would always be asked to take on the load as run blocking. Um, so I do think Dolan does add a little bit more than just the special teams that Michael does hate that the sixth spot goes to. But I mean, it's 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 the truth. It's just what happens. Well, I mean, I've conceded that he's going to make the roster, but am I going to take a guy who blocks, or am I going to take a looks promising Desmond Patman who can actually play? wide receiver and get catches i mean well, who's, your, who's your gunner then uh michael pittman no i'm playing uh, <laughs> no, uh but the colts do they they prioritize special teams like no one else in the nfl so that's why i've conceded ashton doolin's gonna make the roster i love Demichael harris destin can back that up um me personally i just think when i look at backup wide receivers if T.Y. goes down, if Pittman goes down, who can step up in that role and provide you what you need to step up, not in a Michael Pittman role, but step up what you need from that position? And I just don't think Doolin's that guy, but because he's big, strong, really good gunner, he's going to make the roster. And I and if we were talking him watching him run routes, I'm not and if we were talking it. about Madden, I'd be all with you. In yeah. Madden, I'm telling you right now, when I get when I get 22, I'm gonna when I cut the roster down, Patman and Strong are both making the roster. But but that's not real life. I mean, I I, no. I understand where you come from. I I hear, I hear fans talk about it all the time that they hate that a guy like Dolan or a guy like Harris is gonna make the roster over Patman. But I mean, that's just that's just how football works. I mean, every team is gonna have that kind of thing going on. But, but Colts, especially like you said, prioritize special but- teams. But here's a question, though. Do you think that they carry seven wide receivers to protect Patman? Because by this point, I would assume someone's going to try and sign him off of the practice squad. Do you think the Colts might want to prioritize him as a seventh wide receiver? Well, the hard part about guessing in all this is it depends on the other places in the roster. Yeah. And, like, the the hardest part is, like, when you get to the – when you get to this end of the roster stuff, it's not really – Decision isn't really so much Desmond Patman versus the field. It's 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 Desmond Patman versus the fourth corner or George Odom spot or an extra linebacker, that kind of thing. And that's that's where those that's where it gets really hard sometimes parsing out the back end of the roster. Because what they're actually doing is it's it's okay. Who's the 46 right now that we're going to play on game day? Oh, man, that's tough. And then who's the seven after that that we want to keep around for one reason or the other? Um, you know, last year they valued Patman enough to keep him around even though he wasn't playing. 
Um, that was one of the extra seven, you know. Um, and so that's that's kind of how they do that. And that's so that's that's where it gets really hard with, with with trying to predict the roster is trying to figure out is, you know, and I'm watching for it in the preseason games. I didn't notice anything the other day because Doolin's not out there, but is I didn't notice anybody shine as a gunner in a way that would knock him out. But if someone, I don't know who, you know, at a different position, all of a sudden takes that gunner spot, does it make it easier for you to keep Desmond Patton? And that's, that's the kind of stuff that's hard, harder to figure out, especially in practice. Cause you can see guys do some stuff in practice, but it's, you can't go full out special teams with, without hurting everybody. So you kind of have to wait for the preseason games. And during the preseason game, I saw them use DeMichael Harris in the gunner role multiple times, but I mean, I didn't even see Pat Miller strong, like given that option ever during the game. Um, but I mean, which also it makes sense, but I mean, I just doesn't appear that they're even competing for that realm. It, to me so far from reports, from seeing at camp in person and everything else, it just seems to me right now that the five spots a battle between strong and Patman and the sixth spot is a battle between Dolan Harris and the field. Um, of the other receivers down there around that are able to play that gunner spot. So, I mean, we're talking predictions. If you had to put your name on the line right now of the, I mean, I guess you could only say five if you want to, but again, like I said earlier, you usually expect six or maybe more like Michael's saying, like what receivers do you expect to make the 53? Uh, well, it's the top four, Hilton, Pittman, Campbell, uh, Pascal. And then Strawn and Doolin, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, is what it feels like right now. But that could change over the last two preseason games as you start to get a better look at somebody shines out in special teams. It changes it, you know. Um, but, yeah, that's where I think they're headed. Yeah. Yeah, I said, I'm, I'm with you guys 100%. That's, that's definitely the six I would keep, um, knowing how that six spot works. And now for a less fun conversation – um, we saw it during the preseason game. We've we've seen the struggles in training camp, whether you want to call it struggles from the offensive line or emergence from these young defensive linemen. Is it time to be concerned about the left tackle spot until Fisher is 100 percent healthy? Well, look. well, it was probably it was probably time to be concerned in like May. Yeah. Or April. Um, yeah. yeah, it was it was probably time to be concerned about that back then. but. Um, I would say this, no one, none of the guys, they, the, the Colts have had a lot of luck, or I shouldn't say luck. They've, they've got a history now under Ballard of finding other teams' offensive line cast-offs and turning them into more than they were in their previous stops. But that hasn't happened with the tackle so far. Uh, I, no one has really looked good at all. Um, no one has looked – even average, I don't think. I mean, I think Will Holden maybe comes the closest, but he's Ben Banigou has beaten him repeatedly in practice. He had a bad game the other night. Davenport has struggled with false starts. Tevi has just not had a good camp. Um, Tevi has the wrong kind of highlight reel um, so far. Yeah. The camp. Yeah. Um, he frequently he frequently gets off balance trying to deal with speed and then gets thrown because he's off balance. Um, so yeah, no, the tackle spot is the set that the tackle spot is a significant concern, whether or not Fisher's back week one, if Fisher is somehow back week one, then the concern is what happens the first time a tackle goes down. Um, you know, that, that 
I think I think the one thing you feel good about is that in a in a regular season game when you're scheming it more. I mean, in a in a in a preseason game, you're calling plays specifically to evaluate players. So you're not giving guys as much help as you would normally. You're you're essentially leaving them on an island in order to evaluate them. Uh, so in a, in a game, you 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 kind of count on Frank Wright to to help handle that. But yes, they have an issue there, a big one. So, Joel, were you just not going to mention how Kamoko Toure is not known to be the strongest guy, but he basically just threw Sam Tevy to the ground in training camp? I did. I said he oh. gets off balance and then he gets launched. I was like, the problem oh, is I was who talking hasn't about thrown Sam. I was Tevy talking about that specific play because that was embarrassing. <laughs> that was, <laughs> gosh, I thought he was going to retire at later on in the, on the day, but Kamoko oh. Toure is bigger. He is ten he pounds is bigger. bigger. He is. Bigger. I will say that he is bigger, but you're right. You're right. That's not look bigger. I will agree with that, and I'm glad he put on weight because one of my biggest knocks on him is how he performs in the run game. I think Ben Banigou is better than him in the run game, but adding more weight, muscle, I love it. With the tackles, I, I we don't even know if Fisher's going to be good when he comes back. That's the thing. Back from a Achilles injury, so. I'm kind of holding back, you know, Fisher's going to be the the savior of the offensive line because that's just not an easy uh, injury to come back from. Again, I will wait on him to come back, but Lord help us. I mean, Destin, could, do you think you could email the team and see if you could try out or something? I mean, we've got to find something, to, to, uh, find some answers here. I mean, I'm uh, I'm 6'5", 300 plus. I mean, there I, you go. I, I could put my – my hat in the ring maybe um but i don't know i don't really, i, I don't want to get a sam tevy type of highlight reel on Are my you, name but um I, destin, I don't i don't need a trend on twitter that bad destin in week two you have a chance to have a 1v1 all game with aaron donald why not yeah um or or something that i think the colts might have to end up considering is i mean if they feel lackluster um at best with these guys that are competing for this left tackle spot until Fisher's there. I mean, maybe you can reach out to a veteran um, out there that isn't signed yet, even if if it means they can start a few games um, for you. I mean, they used Valdir in that realm last year, but it was also like near the end, obviously. And then Valdir found a way to play for another team in the playoffs somehow. Um, Didn't even know that was illegal um, Uh in the NFL's rules, but Hey, he he went out there and did it. Um, But it just makes you, curious if there's going to be other options they've always been pretty big on finding a way to snag a, another team's cut um when they're whenever all these other teams are cutting to 53 the colts have been known to claim some guys off waivers um last year one of those being noah man if i tried to pronounce his last name i would Talk probably get ridiculed um, yeah yeah but um so that's something they've always looked at um also so i'm really just curious if they're going to look at other options I think they are. I mean, one of the things to remember is that teams are still at 90 or some teams are down to 85 now, but for the most part, these teams are at 90. So when teams are at 90, any available tackle who has a shot is snapped up. There's, there's not, there's, there's not enough good tackles to go around when teams are at 53, let alone at 90. Um, And so I I think that based on what we've seen, I I've thought the same thing. I've thought that, that might be a spot where they they go try to find somebody. Um, that's how they got Will Holden last year. It was midseason, but that's how they got him, was they plucked him off of Baltimore's practice squad. 
Um, he's been a little bit, I've, I've been a little bit surprised that he struggled as much as he had, because I thought he had something in that Pittsburgh game. He had a pretty good game in that game, in that Pittsburgh game before he got hurt. Uh, but it just hasn't translated. He looks more like his, his Wikipedia page than he did. Um, oh God. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see, we'll see if they can get something. But right now, yeah, tackle's an issue. It's a big issue. Hey, and I mean, everyone at home's just hoping that uh, Quentin Nelson, the cyborg that he is, um, is healthy enough to the point that he's able to go week one or two, obviously, especially week two against Aaron Donald. Um, <laughs> but and maybe that'll fix a lot of the issues because, like you said, they're able to scheme some things a little bit better to, like, help that left side and being next to a guy like Quentin Nelson can only add to your abilities on the field, obviously, but I just don't see a way that any of these guys can start significant amount of time, especially if they expect Fisher to miss three or more games, which from my understanding, they do um, plan on him missing that realm of games at three to five area. So I, I'm, I, I just can't see it. I, I just don't see a way that Sam Tevy, Will Holden, um, and Davenport, like you said, I mean, they're pretty much locking in Will Fries in the guard realm of things. Um, he, he's not really taking any snaps at tackle that I've heard of. So I bet you missed Chaz Green. Yeah, huh? If he's taking a few, if he's taking any snaps at tackle, it's been with the third team. It hasn't been very much. But I mean, that's basically what we were told after he was drafted is that he was drafted in the realm of being a guard. Um, he was mm. listed as a tackle um, coming out, um, but the, the idea was going to be that he was going to play guard in the NFL. So, I mean, that's basically what they've showed us. Um, just the answer's got to come from out of the building. I just you can't. Miss, you miss Chaz Green now, don't you? Hey, I will say Chaz Green was better in Indianapolis than he was in Dallas. I feel like every time everyone heard the name Chaz Green, they only thought about him allowing five sacks in that game and when he was in a Dallas uniform. If, he, uh, if he'd gotten the right game, he could have allowed five sacks in Indy. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> he really struggled last year. <laughs> um, he really struggled last year. Now they they haven't had as much luck with tackle as they have with uh, with guard and and center. They, you know, Mark Lewinsky was a cast off. He's turned into a, a pretty good three year starter for them. Um, they've always kind of had Josh Andrews, Evan Bain. Like they've had these guys who had to play snaps who didn't really do anything elsewhere. Um, but but could play decent football for them while they were there, and they just haven't been able to do that at tackle. Who I um, think they missed the most, which, Joel, I don't remember if you remember when I came on your show to take over for Jim for like a week while he was his baby <laughs> was being born. I said the person that I felt like the Colts were going to regret letting go the most was Joe Haig, and I feel like that's who they've missed the most um, depth-wise because he was able to play everywhere. And I feel mm -hmm. like Haig – I mean, and he did struggle a little bit in Tampa Bay last year whenever his number was called – but I feel like he was light years ahead of these guys that we have trying to play left tackle right now. So I felt that it was pretty decent, but the Colts had the Colts could have resigned him and they just didn't. Um, and I he, he was a free agent this offseason too. I think yeah, that's what I, no, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Is this this year more than the other year? Because he signed with he signed with Tampa with, for a chance to start. Um, this year he was coming off of a bad year and he wasn't going to be, he's on this, the, the Steelers ended up signing him, but it was not for very much money. I mean, it was, it was around Sam Tevy, Julian Davenport money. 
And so that, that sort of told me that maybe, maybe the Colts didn't value him as, as much as I thought they did. Um, he, all things, all things considered, they could Carson Wentz, right? Maybe I'm yeah, completely I out so. of left field here, but I mean, there was even a relationship there. So, I mean, I guess I didn't think about that, that maybe the Colts just, because he didn't sign for a lot of money. I mean, you're right. And that, that's just the guy that I've always thought that the Colts have missed the most, his ability to play everywhere. Um, and I felt like whenever he came in, he was maybe a little bit below average as a starter, um, but you never really felt like you we're getting demolished. Like it's felt like we've been when tackles have missed. Uh, I take, I take that back. He signed for two years, 4.6, which is right around what Tevi got. Um, I don't know if there's a chance for him to start in Pittsburgh. I'm not sure. They um, have four or five starters or new starters this year in Pittsburgh. So, so maybe, maybe. I mean, so it's possible that they were involved and he, he went someplace that he thought he might have a chance to start. That's possible. Wow. Um, but uh, he actually made more money than I remembered him making this year. So, um, hey, if you're listening, Joe Haig, good for you. <laughs> right, no Joe, Joe Haig slander here. Um, but still, they, they they do have an issue there. They just have they have an issue at tackle, and based on what we've seen so far in camp, someone's going to have to take a giant leap forward. Um, because it's just, it just hasn't been very good. All right. Before we let you go, Joel, one thing you're looking forward to for the Minnesota preseason game, and we can't include the quarterbacks just for fun. <laughs> I swear uh, I hate when Destin does this. I mean, oh, we're looking forward to it, but you can't say that. Like, come on. Well, he doesn't want the obvious answer. Um, That's a good question. Uh, Against the Vikings. Mm. I'm I'm watching the defensive ends. I'm watching the I'm watching Banigu and Ture and Isaac Rochelle. Um they didn't really do they didn't really translate it to the game as much as I thought they might. Um, which makes me wonder if it's it's the tackles that they're going against in practice. Rochelle even um, played a lot of interior in the Carolina yeah, he's game. Been, He's been doing that a lot in practice. He's he's definitely a guy who they think can rush from the inside. He's done. He's been fairly productive from in there too. Um, but those those are the guys I'm going to be watching. I want to see. I want to see if they can uh, be a little more consistent with pressure uh, than they were last week. For me, I'm going to keep looking at the corner spot going into this off season. I thought the corner spot was a bigger need than people realized and that people put on the Colts' radars. But I'm really curious to see um, – I know TJ Carey went down with an injury in the Panthers game, so I, I don't really have a timeline for what that was or what that injury ended up translating into. But I'm really curious to see what the corner spot's going to end up looking like this year because I think I'm a little bit more concerned than other fans are um, about what the corners are going to look like this year. Um, if, if Rhodes is going to be able to be the same player as he was last year at the same level. I mean, I think Kenny Moore is a stud. I'm not really worried about Kenny Moore. Um, but the other outside corner spot, if Rock can uh, get anywhere near that potential that he was drafted to be, um, things like that. I'm definitely watching the corners. Have no fear. Isaiah Rogers is here. All right. That's all I got to say. So, the position that I am going to go with is once again, forget you, Destin. It's going to be the quarterbacks. Uh, <laughs> I mean, c- come on now. What do you, it's good. Joel, 
Is it not going to be the biggest storyline? It will. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but you know, for the obvious reasons why it'll be the quarterbacks, I will help you out, Destin. Okay. I'm going to pay attention to the tight ends. Okay. I want to see what it's going to look like behind Jack Doyle and Mo Cox. We know their spot is cemented in this offense, but you know, are we going to see a little bit more play design for Kylan Granson? Where's what's, what are they going to do with Farrah Green? Noah Tagiai? I want to see what's going to happen behind those two. We have a good idea of what Kylan Granson might get this season, but we want to see him do it in the preseason. So I'm going to be looking at that position or I highly doubt they're going to have him in any run plays, but I'm really curious even more what's going to happen behind Kylan Granson, Noah Tagiai, Farrah Green, what's going to happen, who's going to win, who's going to win those. Hey, and you guys have been listening to the Blue Stable, um, sponsored by One Call Technology. One Call Technology is a managed telecom service provider whose senior staff has 100-plus years of experience in virtually every aspect of business communications, business phone system installation and service, managed telecom service providers, telecom carrier management, and high-speed internet. Head on over to One Call's website at www.onecalltech.com or give them a call at 888 888- Five eight five eight eight five zero, and tell them the Blue Stable guys sent you. Joel, thanks again for joining us today to break down that Carolina game. It was a win, and it, I mean, hey, you might not be super excited about a win in preseason, but when you see a guy like Sam Ellinger lead you to the win, you got to be excited, Colts fans. You've been listening to the Blue Stable, the Michael's official. Not. Hey, Michael's not there. You go. I can see it. I hey, can Mike. see him up there. He's, he's not. And you know, it. hey. <laughs> And, I mean, you've been with Michael for the last 45 minutes, and you already know this. I have to deal with Michael twice a week um, where I have to listen to him. And, uh, Joel, just be glad you have Jim, okay? Just be glad you have a guy like Jim on your side. Hey, Jim loves me. Jim loves me. I can't say the same for you. (laughs) You guys have been listening to the Blue Stable, the official Colts podcast of Fans Sided. Make sure you guys hit that like button, subscribe on YouTube or anywhere you guys listen to podcasts. My name is Destin Adams. Next to me is Michael Terrazas. And again, thank you so much to Joel Erickson from the Indy Star coming on with us today. And as always, go Colts. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.